Welcome back to week two of Press Row, a new video and podcast breaking down the key storylines in Aggie football with the people who cover it closest. Today we got Gabe Bach and Billy Lucci of Texags back for week two. Robert Cessna, executive sports editor of the Bryan College Station Eagle. Cease. Good afternoon. Glad to be here again. Wow. Absolutely. We invited him back. I'm a veteran. <laughs> That's right. Brent Zwerman back for week two from Good. the Houston Chronicle. Couldn't run me off that easy, could you? <laughs> Absolutely not. We needed to get y'all on camera. Last week, we you know we weren't on video, so we needed y'all on camera. Well, last, what, yeah. last week is kind of a show of unity. We offered a big hug for video, and then there yeah. you go. And then, uh, <laughs> it didn't make it, so hopefully the this eagle, week. Our voices carried it. it. Eagle reunion. That's right. Morning news. That's right. And from the Dallas Morning News with us here for the first time, Ben Baby. Ben, welcome to Texas. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Pretty big week around here, guys. You got the week, the, the season opener on Thursday, a 59-7 win over Northwestern State. Clemson coming to town this Saturday. It's a big week around, especially when you factor in what just happened in Austin over the weekend. Let's just kind of dive into that, just a big picture of what's happening right now as Jimbo's launching this thing and Clemson's coming to town, and the landscape is kind of up for grabs in this state right now. It's pretty interesting what's happening. I think there's so many storylines. Just just keeping it this game and A&M centric, there's, there's so many storylines from the just the Jimbo Fisher era just started out with a, you know, a directional Southland school. The ultimate Louisiana directional school. <laughs> the ultimate. <laughs> and with all due respect. A school oh, that yeah, a few years ago you might have seen Zwerm and striking guys out for <laughs> Brawny hitting home runs against. And they're coming. No. To come. So, in other words, the whole home opener, where they, they handled their business. And I, you could tell Jimbo Fisher was really pleased with their first act. But then, here we are, three to four days after the game, talking about the best team in college football outside of Tuscaloosa for the last five years or so coming in to Kyle Field, college game day. It's like, it's kind of like everything we expect to see, right, at some point in this in this Jimbo Fisher era. And, and I think in, in my case, I don't know where you all saying, I think in some, you know, sometime in the not too distant future. But it's really like a sneak preview and right. it's all happening this weekend. Yeah, you know, I think this is a, you know, A&M got their money's worth. They paid over half a million dollars to get a nice little scrimmage in before yep. the Clemson game. And, you know, I think that's kind of a, a lot of people knock the, the level of opponent. I think you can go about it both ways. I can see why you schedule a Power 5 opponent, you know, to get that, that the strength of schedule, you know, where you want it to be moving forward. I think more teams are going to start to do that. But, you know, it's good to, you know, especially this year for A&M and Jimbo, to have an FCS opponent to kind of break everything in, kind of see where everything's like, you know, in that coaching transition. And hopefully, you know, if you're, if you're an A&M fan, you hope that they got some of the kinks worked out because, like you said, you know, it's, it's a big gap going from a, losing, a team that had a losing record in the F, uh, FCS to, you know, Clemson and, and Dabo Swinney, a guy who's got one of the top programs in the country right There's now. There's no doubt the schedule, I think, plays in A&M's favor. The opponent's going to be very difficult to beat anyway, but when you have that one game under your belt, there were some twists in there that gave some of the O-line fits, and Bond got popped a few times. Some stuff to clean up on tape before the Tigers. Let's say, how about Jimbo Fisher, too, going to the SEC West, going, okay, this is brutal enough. He looks at his schedule <laughs> when he takes the job and goes, Second week, Clemson, the one that gave him the most fits at Florida State. Yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, I'm sure he was glad to have that first one out of the way as opposed to opening with Clemson, just like when Kevin Sumlin opened with Florida. wasn't supposed to, but I think a hurricane veered yep. that deal yeah. up. Course, so uh, so yeah, good Speaking to have that one out there. Fearing tropical storms, hopefully we've got one. That yeah, I was, its own way this what's weekend. the latest on that front? You know, it's a good point. Like, yeah, 
nothing you don't know? I don't know anything. You haven't talked to your boy Air Force ad? No, I haven't gotten anything yet. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah. not yet. Well, well, you said, Luch, what I like is when I, when I knew game day was officially coming, you look back how things change quickly. You think about last time game day was here, it was Butch Jones versus Kevin wow. Sumlin. And you think about it, we didn't know time. That, that's not going to last. That wasn't two not known commodities. Now this year, and I don't know when Jimbo Fisher's going to turn around. I'm with you at some point, but we can see how fast it can happen. You always got to look yeah. at Sweeney, but Dabo Sweeney against Jimbo Fisher as a drop drop line to this. I mean, holy cow. They did it so much in the ACC, but moving forward, these are the kind of games that a and is going to be in more and more because of Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher because of the natural schedule in the SEC, and they haven't stopped scheduling other people too. You go there mm-hmm. next year, go to Georgia. And these marquee games are a way of life here. And I think the only, yeah, and I think the only the only little it's not a break because you still have the SEC. The scheduling and what you talk about, and it's it's been a hot button topic with every school. It's like FCS. Do you play three? Mm-hmm non-power fives and then one big one or how how are you going to schedule are they i i happen to think eventually they'll go to nine games that just might be i'm with you i think eventually that'll happen but what's crazy which is all the more reason why these schedulers guys are very apprehensive about scheduling two as opposed to one kind of premier non-conference it's interesting though to me the timing of it and i'm digressing a little bit here but 2020 Say if if Kellen Mond, you know, develops and becomes that becomes the guy. He's a senior. You've got all this recruiting they're doing that'll be in year, you know, in some instances year three and some year two on campus. Right. Not to mention the freshmen and sophomore that are playing that are still be around. Georgia falls off the schedule. Clemson falls off the schedule. I think you draw Vandy. Am I right? Correct. South Carolina right. and Vandy Colorado that year, here. and then your big, your biggest non-conference game that year is Colorado. Yeah, right. someone that's asked that's me. Someone asked me last week about, well, they'll, they'll be a lot better next year, and I go, eh, you might want to look at that schedule before <laughs> yeah. you say that. Yeah, so, yeah it, it points to twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do have the, the North Texas Mean Green on that schedule, so you got to keep it. All right. So Ben Baby, they'll have a new mean. coach by then. If uh, boy, yes, if boy will, gets it together. Yeah, Daryl Dickey yeah, homecoming, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, I fully expect him to have a new coach by then. But at the end of the day. This is what we're talking about seeing more and more, whether it's whether they're a year ahead of schedule in, in twenty nineteen and they do in Auburn, who last year went what, two and two in, in four games against those three teams that we all kind of look at, everyone in college football. Whether it's then, whether it's year three or when it is, these are the kind of games, like you said, Cease, that we're gonna see regularly. And I think it's great. For a, and you, I wish it was in Alabama two weeks later. So, so I think who, it was great measuring. I was stick. trying to remember, and I didn't go back and look this up yet. Who was it that scheduled Clemson? Because probably at that time, Clemson wasn't the Clemson of now. That right? was I mean, that was, was, Bill Burn, was it? That was someone. Okay. So it had to have been Hyman. That was pretty recent. Been, I want to say. Okay, Cause remember, it was now. Oregon, yeah. and, and they oh, bailed okay. out. They they whatever for whatever reason the Oregon. I don't know why these things fall through. You know, A&M tried to schedule but you Penn can't, State before you, doing Once you're uh, booked, you're booked, though. You can't change that schedule for 10 yeah, years. Yeah, that's right. right. You're booked up. <laughs> you're booked. I love that whole sidebar. <laughs> but it was – but so you're, you're – it was going to be Oregon, 
And then the Oregon one fell through, and within 24 hours of that falling through, they announced Clemson because everyone at A&M knew what was going to be said. Oh, you know they're not playing a, a, because at the time Oregon was still. I tell you what, I love that road trip in 05 to Clemson. That was yeah, that I'm was looking awesome. forward to yeah, it. Yeah, one of my best. I can't wait to do that. So no. yeah, yeah I, I have it. I, I did pull it up. It was uh, October 2014. That's when they. Wow. Okay. Wow. So about that. Okay, wow. That's some good web surfing right a there. A little, uh, a little different Clemson football team coming here than the last time A&M. Right. Yes. A, a, go ahead. A, a quick. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying a little different football team with a little bit different uh, defensive line. Yeah, they four Fran with the big win here that year. Exactly. Right. Right. And the exactly. narrow loss there. Yeah. So let's do it real quick. One line, just thought, takeaway from the from game one, because obviously most of our stuff will center around game two and Clemson. Cease. What did you think about game one? I just like the efficiency that AM played. They played with toughness, but they didn't make any stupid mistakes. I thought the game had Jimbo Fisher's. Uh, fingerprints all over it. It wasn't about the opponent. It was what about A&M did and the way they responded to their new coach, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Be curious to see how the O-line responds, obviously, against Clemson, because there were a couple times when Kellen got hit hard and so forth, and so you kind of raises your eyebrows a little bit, especially on the flip side when the Aggies didn't have any sacks. But you know they were keeping it very basic at that time, but certainly uh, Jimbo for the past few days and for the next few days will be scheming to make sure they have ultimate protection against those guys. I loved pretty much everything about what we saw, like what Cease was saying. Um, But to go into what Brent, I think I have three concerns out of that game heading into Clemson, and they're not—they're not like it's not like I don't—I know they're not going to respond favorably because I don't know the answer to that. You talk to people in that building, and, and and. I think they're actually really excited about the offensive line, which kind of surprised to me. That's been a big concern, and and I think they're actually excited about what that line could be even this year, and think they might have five NFL guys up front. Mm-hmm. Now, this will be a great test in, in Alabama because you look at Clemson, Mississippi State, LSU. If they're to have, if they show any signs of being able to hold their own against these teams, then you feel a hell of a lot better, not just about that unit, but about the football team moving forward, that, and I think you mentioned it, I'm not going to over-read too much into no sacks because of the way they were playing. I am a little bit, I want to see if they can generate a four-man pass rush this year because that will allow Mike Elko to be so much better as a DC and for this team if if they can. And we don't know yet. We don't know the answer to that. The final thing we don't know yet, who's going to step up and be, a big play guy at wide receiver. I saw that all over the country this week and so much football I watch. I want to see which guy at A&M is capable of doing that because we, we haven't seen yeah. it yet. Yeah. yeah, you know, for me, the thing that stuck out was Calvin Mond and, and kind of I was really impressed. You know, I think it's no secret that, you know, I've been you know very curious, you know, at least with y'all. I don't know if I've, you know, publicly been that way, but i been curious as to what he can do, you know, not only this year, but just at the next level having seen him. And, you know, I've, I've covered his game for so long. Um, you know, that's the best I've seen him look, uh, you know, going back to his sophomore year of high school, just the way that he was able to, to run an offense, the way he, he was crisp, he was confident. Um, you know, you go back and look at the film he put on even at IMG in his last year at Reagan. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, his sophomore year was his best year of high school ball and, and how impressive he was. And I hadn't seen that Kellen in a long time, and that was really the first sign that he could do that. Now the question is, can he do that? Because now what's going to happen is you're going to see defenses stacking the box and saying, okay, if you're going to beat us, you're going to do it, do it through the air. So can, how, how does Kellen adapt to that? Um, because, you know, once um, – if he can handle that well, you know, he doesn't have to be great, but if he can handle that well and show SEC defenses 
that he's good. He's improved enough as a passer to keep a defense honest. I think that's really huge for them moving forward because if he can't do that, yeah. I think this is going to be a really tough year. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, can he be better than – what you're saying, I'm sitting there going, can he be better than Danny Etling was at LSU? And I think the answer is, is hell yeah. If they're going to – if A&M can start running the ball that well, and you're going to see more, I think, of Trevor Wood this week and more of that too tight stuff. I, I, you're sitting there saying that, and I go back to I, I think the answer is yes, he can do it if he gets help on the outside. And yep. this is a huge game for that because I think they've got to get some field position changing plays. Billy, you said, you said that offensive line is maybe a future NFL offensive line. Well, they're going to get a taste of the NFL on Saturday night yeah. with what Clemson has on the defensive line. Yeah. So, I think those you know, guys. Which I think beat. that's the biggest storyline going into it. Is there an, no, N- no is there an NFL a line in the NFL that has four first rounders on it? Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, this is, yeah. this is pretty special. We don't but, see yeah. something. We it don't is, see like but this you know what? I, here's my prediction on Clemson: they're going to lose a game this year too. They'll probably lose two. They'll probably lose somebody in the playoff and lose. That that same group of D linemen walked off the field losers to Syracuse last year. Watch right. that game. That's that right. horrible. They were yep. horrible. And, and as Friday a younger night. group, they lost. That was before we played. Uh, we were all in Jacksonville that weekend. The next time, not Jacksonville, Gainesville. Gainesville. We were in Jacksonville. Yeah, because yeah. it was a Friday night game. Right. Right. Yeah. The next time, or the, the, the year before, they lost to Pitt. You know, they they got, you know, crushed by Alabama in that game. And they've had a lot of close games. Clemson is not Bama. Correct. Yeah, I agree. So while I do think they're clearly better than AM, while I do think they're the, probably the second best team in college football, maybe the third. Maybe they're the first. Not, they're not. Maybe first. See, I, I, I don't think so. I just don't think they're, they're Bama. And maybe if it, Trevor Lawrence gets going, but I, I, yeah, I look at Across them, the board, they're not. Well, no, you know, one place they are. The thing that yeah. really intrigues me about Clemson, and just from a college football standpoint, they they're a lot like what Golden State is to the NBA. Uh, that's they're, that's what Clemson is to college football because you know whenever Golden State started running up up and down the floor offensively, you said oh they can't play great defense too. That's impossible. Yeah. Well, it turns out they were the best defensive team in the league as mm-hmm. well, and they were able to run a really good defense. And Clemson very so much they're not is, the Rockets. Right, correct. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade here on the Rockets. But what Clemson, what, the thing that's very fascinating about what Dabo's done and how he's kind of revolutionized the game and changed the way Nick runs his offense and a lot of people do things is that not only do they have a really dynamic offense, but they have a terrific defense as well. He's been able to uh, manage a scheme and the way he calls a game to where you can run a, an up-tempo complex offense and have it – you know, a bunch of good skill players across the board while still keeping your defense rested and have it ready to go and, and it still be very physical and everything you need it to be. And, you know, Absolutely. in my mind, I think that's where college football is headed. Uh, you know, where you have, you, as you see the SEC open up their offenses, you know, Nick uh, saving recruit guys like Tua and Jalen Hurts. Like, the reason he has a quarterback controversy, he's got two good guys. You know, mm-hmm. generally, Nick doesn't have a bunch of great quarterbacks rolling through there. Um, that, that are really good at the college level. And so um, I'm really curious to see how this shakes out. And, you know, it, I think Dabo's got the blueprint for what the game is, might be going toward. I'd say credit Brent Venables a lot, too, I, because a lot of D coordinators can't live in that environment and, and thrive. We, we saw it firsthand here with John Chavis. You see it really everywhere. Um, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned that, and I said something about Venables. I think that's A&M. If, there, if there's a, a matchup that could – tilt this game and it's going to be the most pivotal matchup 
It may be an advantage for A&M. I w- only time will tell. Jimbo Fisher and his familiarity with Clemson and that defense. How many times has he called plays against Venables? He's had some real success against them at times offensively. And then defensively, you know, Mike Elko was at Wake right. coaching against that Clemson mm-hmm. offense with a lot less talent than he's working with here. So there's a, and, and Tim Brewster and Damian Craig and Jay Graham. There's an awful lot of familiarity on this staff with with Clemson. This is not ideal for Clemson. Let's not kid ourselves. That's right. They're the right. favorites for a reason, and they should be. And I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna go out and pick A&M to knock them off this right. weekend. But this is not ideal. You, to become, you don't think? Don't think. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. it gets to game day. Right. You right. get to Kyle Field on a Saturday night in front of a hundred thousand early in the season. You might play two quarterbacks. You might have a quicker. Uh, a quicker, shorter leash on Kelly than you normally would, and it, it's and it's a second game in, in there with a coaching staff that's real familiar with what you do. It's, it's not optimal for them to be coming in here. And I watched that game. I don't know if you guys watched that. It's on the CW. It's hard yeah, to find, it. but I watched it. And Trevor Lawrence has got a beautiful arm, and he is a good athlete. But he also made some mistakes where he got himself hit. He was trying to figure out some stuff there. Now he's coming in with 100,000 people. It's going to be 102.5, packed to the gills. And this place is refreshed around here, too. Yeah, you know, no doubt. The regime, there's no doubt about it. And one you thing can I, talk yourself yeah. into thinking A&M's got a chance. Like, this thing could roll into the fourth quarter as a one-score game or a single-digit game. One thing amazing looking at the notes was Clemson has never played before 100,000 people. This is going to be their really? largest crowd I think their largest was low 90s, and I'm thinking, but once again, the ACC wow. venues, think about them. They're not big like the SEC venues, but in, what you're, you're saying is first time the largest crowd in school history. I don't care how you cut it, but but I will go back. One thing about the when, when uh, Dabo and Jimbo have faced off, D- Dabo has won the last three, right. and when you also look, Clemson starts 17 upperclassmen out of their starters, 17 of 22. And I think he has gotten his talent where Jimbo is going to take two more recruiting classes yeah. to get his talent. And that's a big edge that's hard to beat that all the games those guys have started Definitely. in these kind of games. Definitely yeah. a talent edge. Yeah, you know, that's the, and that, that is a curious aspect of this game is that, you know, that Clemson, one could argue that had Jimbo fared better against Clemson over the last few years, he wouldn't be at A&M. You know, they're, they're, they, you know, one could argue that had he been a, a little bit better in Florida State and at, at stayed atop the ACC. I think that would depend entirely on one thing. Would those wins have translated into another championship correct, or something? Correct. But, but, and then but, they would have given you facilities. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah. But no, but Which so they give in Taggart. But so I think the, so that's something that's, that's interesting. And, and, you know, now you get to, you get to see where that, that game kind of sits. I do agree that the fam- familiarity will help a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, Dabo traditionally has recruited worse than than, um, than Jimbo. I think Jimbo pulled the best recruiting class in the ACC every year. He was at yeah. Florida State, top six every year, but one. Yeah, so he's he. I mean, he's always been able to get players here. So it'll be. I mean, that component I find really interesting. But um, you know, the key for A and M if they do want to pull off an upset, which I think would be a massive upset, yeah. you'd have to oh, go back, go back and What's look. What's the spread? Is about two touchdowns. Yeah. I started 13 out thirteen and a half, uh-huh. and it's down to about eleven right oh, now. Okay, so it's, it's been bet down to eight. So, yeah. which which shows that people are Clemson plays a lot of games within two touchdowns. Yeah, in, yeah. in their own conference. Yeah, right. and seeing that line go down, you're seeing people put money on A and M to keep it closer than maybe the cool. odds makers originally you know believed to be the case. So, I think if A and M keeps it close. 
going into the second half, anything can happen. The, the thing you yeah. just you just got to be in it at halftime. I think that's the biggest. Yeah. If that's the case, just don't play yourself this will be out the of the best game. Kyle Field's ever been. If that's the case, I hear yeah. about eighty-five. I was there for Nebraska in twenty ten. This will be as if it goes into the fourth quarter within a touchdown yeah. or even ten. If it's a single-digit deficit, Kyle Field will be absolutely it's, bananas. It's like what itself. Ben said. It would be the biggest. I, considering what's at stake, okay, not. 98 over Nebraska would be the one you would compare it to. Um, but considering what's at, what's at stake, like it's ahead of knocking off number one OU, it's behind, it would probably be behind knocking off Bama and Tuscaloosa when they were. That was just, that I, won you a Heisman Trophy. That It would probably be number two, I think, on the list because not only is Clemson number two, not only is this the... the College game day and the national spotlight, but it, it, it. I think when you look back on it, right. if they were to pull that off, you would say that game meant more than probably any in a in a and recent history anyway, other than that Bama win because right. of the springboard effect it would have in recruiting, sure. oh. accelerating. And it affirms everything about what exactly. Jimbo's yeah. talked about since getting here in yeah. terms of he the toughness, it. discipline, and so forth. Accelerating the timeline. That's You'd big. almost have everybody else in the SEC root for Clemson this weekend <laughs> because if that happens, yeah. A&M's just going to go bonkers. I mean, your yeah. recruits out there, the Jimbo deal – I mean, you talk about you talk about you talk about how things would change with one win. I agree with Luch. If that would pull it off, the people in LSU would be jumping in that bad river down there. Whatever. Austin people, from Austin, people to in Baton Austin, Rouge to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, people in Austin would be giving up football. I mean, it's I'll go just back like, to the wow. beginning of the show too. What we're talking about with everything kind of in the balance right now, and Jimbo's already swayed it over here. You know, Kevin swayed it big time. The pendulum, right, Billy? You wrote about this. Early on. Man. Early on. He couldn't kind of sustain it. It started trickling back to the middle. And right now, Jimbo pulled it back. And now what happened in Maryland, if he beats Clemson, you want to talk about this could be a sign of what yeah. Mac started in the late 90s, an era-long run of and success where that pendulum is in maroon. And Travion is his Ricky Williams. Is that, <laughs> that would be surprising. But, but, <laughs> well, I will, I will say that there is a caveat here. And when people ask me about this game, I said this is a – this is a no-lose situation for A&M because two, either two things happen. You either get blown out and everyone goes, of course. That's what happens. Yeah. You know, this is Jimbo's first real game. You're playing against Clemson. You know, what are you going to expect? Or you play them close and give them a game. You go, okay, this is a big game for them moving forward. So A&M's playing with house money here. Um, they, mm-hmm. they really can't do anything wrong. The worst thing that can happen no is doubt. somebody gets hurt catastrophically. That's yeah. really the biggest Word thing. But the thing is that even if you win, there is only so much importance you should put into it because at the end of the day – Jimbo will not be measured against how well he does against Clemson because he, that's no longer his benchmark now. In the ACC, yeah. that was. Now that benchmark is how well do you do in the SEC? Because if you go out, let's say A&M pulls off that massive win against Clemson. And went three but, and five. In the and SEC. they go out and lay, it, lay an egg against Alabama, lose a bunch of games you shouldn't be losing in the SEC, then you nullify everything you did in September. And, and see, I, yeah. I would disagree. I, I see where you're going, right. and it definitely – you know. No, but it, it's, me, it's me too. I'm, right, doing, right. I'm doing me, you're doing you. It definitely <laughs> nullifies me, it. Me, it, it, it. It would nullify it too. I see where you're going right. with it. But what it wouldn't, what it wouldn't do is with the, with the way the recruits, the way this class is and the way 21 is, it would – I think they'd have to really implode. I mean, I think even – Seven, and this is crazy to think that this could even happen, but I even think like a 7-5 and five with a win over Clemson 
as long as I, I agree. most of those are competitive. I, I, I agree. I agree. Because of the recruiting bump you get. Mm-hmm. Here, but but I think the recruiting bump would have to come because you're already kind of full in the 19 class. So it yeah, would have to 20. be. It'd have to be in 20. Here's what's crazy to me. Is I wrote this this week. Do y'all see when, when we're looking at Clemson? We all were, and, and we just did it. We're talking about Alabama is the benchmark. You know, passing Auburn and LSU in the West is is the benchmark. But the team that's coming in here this week to me is so much resembles. And Jimbo Fisher what watched Jimbo Clemson wants. build it. Yeah, and it, it mm-hmm. so resembles. What he wants to do because exactly. of what they did there is exactly this this sleeping giant yep. Yep. for God knows how long. And you know what made it? You know what changed it? The one thing that changed it. I, I, I wrote it this week. There's three C's. Cult uh, commitment. We've we've seen that they've made the commitment. The coaching and the culture that that coach brings. All these programs go stagnant for 10, 15 years. You know, all, name them all. We could go down the list. We don't have to. Every power program, 10, 15 years. We're seeing it in Austin right now. We saw it in Austin before Mac Brown. Saw it in Tuscaloosa, on and on. Get the right coach. Look at LSU football before Nick Saban. Yep. Look at Alabama football before Nick Saban for a long time. But oh, you Clemson, yeah, Clemson is like AM. And that they really never had it. And you're always wondering, man, they where they're at and they could be so good. Clemson is what AM wants to be. Jimbo got in 2010 at Florida State, and four years later he had a national title. Florida State had that reputation, that national powerhouse. You know, uh, everyone remembers the program from the early 90s. Once again, referencing our college years. Danny Ford won that title. But, you know, Jimbo touched that today. Then you bring in Dabo Sweeney. They get the administration behind them. They get the facilities. They get everything. And then suddenly you look at how many 10-win seasons he had, which was void really before at Clemson. And you can see, like, Jimbo wants to do the same thing here. And he's done the same thing, as Brent said, at Florida State. When you have the blueprint, it's one thing to have the blueprint, but when you built the mansion, you know, if you're building an outhouse and it's going to fall out, no, these guys have built mansions. Now he's starting to sound like Jimbo. (laughs) Last week, Jimbo said, you know, if you don't do it all at once, you don't have a porch and a pool. And I said, have you been to my house, Jimbo? (laughs) That's right. Uh, And we didn't go around kind of, we more organically hit everybody's. Is there anything we're missing on your storylines before we go? No, like I said, I I just think it's ironic that they're playing Clemson. And you see what Clemson has done because they were searching for people after Danny Ford. And one of them was Tommy Bowden. You remember Tommy mm-hmm. Bowden right, came right. here. Yeah. And Fisher's so close to the Bowden family, mm-hmm. he saw why the Bowden couldn't win at Clemson. But then they bring a wide receiver. And I remember watching that, watching when he beat as an interim coach. I watched that game yeah. when he beat South Carolina and uh, Steve Spurrier. And I go, they, they promoted their wide receivers yeah. coach? Who right. does that? Never been Somebody knew what they were doing. That's a pretty amazing story. I thought thought it was neat, and this came from Ben's line of questioning at the press conference of uh, Kellen Mond saying that line of questions. Yeah, line of questions. What he does. That's hard hitting stuff where he said that Deshaun Watson was his idol yeah. growing, growing up. Yeah. And it was only a few years ago. Right. Deshaun was only at Clemson a couple of years ago. But that was neat that he met him on a recruiting visit, patterns his game after him, and yeah. Clemson's coming to town. Of course, Deshaun won't be here. They're in New England. Yeah, he's got Texas. Little, yeah, he's got a little something else going on. Yeah. But ben, uh, neat storyline. Yeah, when Ben asked that, and he said he was number two when he was a sophomore, 
Clemson was number two behind Baylor. Wow. A&M could almost been playing Mon. I mean, that's pretty right. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, yeah one of my one of my goals now while Kellen is here is trying to figure out how to get rid of all this you, this Kellen Mon information I've stored up over the years. <laughs> yeah, right. Figure out a way to kind of sweep it out your window now. The old yeah, Express so, News Day. So it just worked there. out. Yeah, no, it's funny because uh, now it's funny. I remember when Kellen was a sophomore, we used to have a little podcast. I'm like, oh, you know, the Reagan quarterback. Looks pretty good, you know, whatnot. And so we always talked about it a lot. The one thing, I don't think I ever made him an all-area quarterback, though, interestingly enough. So, See, he used that as motivation uh, to get it, to where he is I'll tell now. you what, man. Kellen, Kellen's a grown man. I, you know, he handles it well. I, there are some college football coaches who will remain, remain nameless um, who, who could take a, a thing or two from how Kellen deals with the media yeah. um, okay. and how he, how he handles himself. Yeah, I like his very honor. He's, he's, a, he's cool. been a pro for a while. I'll say this, yeah. guys. Do y'all think – I feel like this team in general, from, from the head coach on down, have been really – easy to deal with media wise it, it, to the point where it, it, it's been really refreshing and I think he I think Jimbo's probably got to be pretty impressed when he walks in and goes I've, I've got a good group of young men in this locker room totally agree. yeah and you know it's one of those things as we've all been around here the past few years there's such a difference in just walking across by Kyle Field the bright football complex in terms of just essentially how people treat you you know, and yeah. that, that starts at the top. I think Jimbo Fisher, and it's been just a sampling. My, my take on him is when he comes into a press conference, his first or second question might be a little coach speak, but then I feel he could just interchange him with any of us, and he just answers questions and says what's on on his mind. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have time to try to spin an answer that he's worried about how, how it might appear to the Texags Nation or yeah. the print. He just answers the question. Yeah, no, I don't no, think he worries yeah. about that. I, in fact, I know he doesn't worry about that stuff at That's all. That's great. And, and I, I, on the tip of one of my friends this week, I went and I said, I'm going to go watch some Dabo stuff. And I, Dabo is like, he's not fun in a fun interview. And I think he's, a, I, from everything I've heard, from what I see, he seems like a great, Man, like fun to be around. Right. Uh, just a really like man you'd want, you know, you, you know, whatever. I was about to say, man, you'd want your daughter to date. Or something. You can tell <laughs> so he's not a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like the rest of young man. Where's Tina Lucci when you need her? I'm so short circuited right now. I think, but Dabo, he's a you know, he's he's a really good dude but you watch him talk and it's like he's doing that thing that that you know i used to give someone a hard time about which was you're gonna cease is gonna ask him a question and he's gonna answer it for five minutes because he knows he's gonna be in that press conference for 15 right Spin and just gonna keep going right. because the fewer the longer i answer these questions the I'm fewer glad, i have to answer i'm glad you mentioned that because this week's press conference it's amazing how much information we ran out of stuff to Jimbo ask puts him. out there. Yeah, yeah to where AC's Alan asking Cannon, for questions. Yeah, Alan Cannon's up front going, anyone else? And I'm like, he right. That's the never happened. But That's no, the because point. he hits and it's bullet yeah. points and we're going, going, yeah. going. You he, know? he gives you a minute-long quote in 30 seconds length. That's how much information is packed into a 30-second soundbite. Yeah, you know, I, I will, I'm still, uh, Jimbo's good. He's mm-hmm. good. I'm still not... Sold on, you know, it's still. You haven't seen him after losses. You want to see, yeah, you want to see. No, not even that, because I actually enjoyed Kevin after losses. I thought he was great after losses. So, no, but Jimbo, you know, he's, I think he's doing doing well. You know, I think he does, he talks about, I don't, I think he could go in depth on certain things a little bit more. I will still always be, not understand the idea not to bring coordinators out. 
I think that helps yeah. out a lot. I mean, there are certain I can tell that. I can tell that one guy. Yeah. No, I mean, that's but, I, but, but yeah, you know, you know but, you know. but, but that's, that's a saving thing. Right, right, right. right. I get that. No, that but that. I like I like dealing with Jimbo definitely. I'll, I'll tell you this. I was telling somebody. So I, I drive down for for people who don't know. I drive down from Dallas each morning, you know, for the interviews. And generally, like, it's, so it's almost a three-hour drive, but about two hours of that. I go to Dallas to see a girl every week, Ben. I mean. It's a drive. Hey, it's, it's a drive. I mean. Right? It's a drive. But, like, two hours of that drive in the morning is mentally preparing yourself to having to deal with Kevin Sumlin. Because right. you know Kevin's going to be, you know, he's going to be sharp. And if you don't come with it, you're essentially mentally preparing for an argument for two hours. And then by the time you get here... You know, it's just, it happens. It was incredibly combative, especially... You it's know, not like that season. anymore. It's not no. like that. I was telling somebody today, I mean, it's just nice to just go and relax. And, you know, it doesn't... You know, I think Jimbo's got a very healthy view. I, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I think there's some things Kevin does well. I think there are some things that ended up being his downfall. I think one of them, you know, the, the way he kind of dealt with the media at times hints at larger issues that I think ha- if he works out, he could be an elite coach one day at some point. But with Jimbo, he just he's, he's very even-keeled, and I think that's the biggest upgrade... A&M got in a head coach. They got an even-keeled guy who, like y'all said, is not going to worry about how things are going to go one way or the other, never going to get too high or too low. He's going to be the same dude no matter who you are or no matter what happens. And I think that's a sign of a guy who's honestly well-equipped well equipped to lead a Power 5 program. No doubt. I think from a personality, if they did these per, – you know, I, I guarantee you Scott Woodward didn't go do some personality <laughs> profile like these search firms probably do. But – if you went and hired a search firm to hire Jimbo Fisher, which I think is the worst thing you could ever do as an athletic department, but if they would have gone and done that and tried to say, who is the perfect guy to, to come in and, and coach and take over all of this? Now, I think there are certain things that would have had to been, we could go up and down the list. I've done that many times, but to me... Really, there's about the two that probably would have came up at the very top if you could have anybody and everyone was available. It might have been Jimbo Fisher, Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure that, you know, from a personality, from what they've accomplished to not being overwhelmed by this to dealing with with the media, check every single box. And I think those two might have been one and two on, on anybody's list. I will say it's hard to keep up with Jimbo and tweeting during yeah. this process. <laughs> we need Bo. We need Bo holder back. There's no yeah. doubt. Bo, There's no doubt. Yeah. Did, didn't Texags get a get a firm to recommend you guys our game? That's how that worked, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Guys, appreciate it very much. We got a heck of a week ahead of ourselves, and we'll be back here early next week. Hopefully, break down a big W in College Station. What's y'all's big real quick? Biggest key to the game one. We won't even expound. Go around the horn. Establish the running game behind Travion. Early. Yes. Can the offensive line hold it? Just hold its own. Yeah, that's a big, the edge tackle battle is a big one. So we all agree. I, I think it's – Absolutely. I think it's – and I think the, the other thing to me, I'll say get stops on defense early. It might take a little bit to get that running game going. I think the only way you move the ball on, on, on these beasts up front – those guys have to get tired. No matter how good you are, if you get tired, you're not you're mortal. And I think so. Get the stops early for the AM defense. And I think as the game goes on, Travion and that O line might start to see some enough holes. And Kellamon's really going to be tested pre-snap too, and make the right pre-snap decisions too to know exactly be decisive where he's going with the football because he's not going to have much time. Get that crowd to lean on those defensive linemen and make. Take even more more sap out of those legs. Yeah. 
All right, guys. That's right. great. All right, that's week two Thanks. of Press Row here on TexAx.com. You can check it out on iTunes as well. Thank you.